0: Hello, everyone. Good morning. Um, I'm Izilia, the co-lead for the Leaning Masterclass. And this is my co-moderator, Alia, the lead for the Lenin Career Program. We would like to thank you all um, so much for joining us today on a Saturday morning. Um, In conjunction with Father's Day, Alia and I will be co-moderating the session entitled Make the Mind Shift to discuss the importance of male allyship and how men can become allies to support women, not just at work, but also at home. We are joined today by our leading male allies, Guka and Ogud, Yuren Chang, and Jalin Rashid, where they will be talking about championing women, change, and equality by being girl dads and highlighting the important roles that men play in nurturing strong daughters and other males to be allies. Um, welcome to the session, um, to our great panelists, and thank you for joining us today. And we are so happy to have such inspiring men as panelists for this discussion, and I'm sure the, aud- the audience will have a lot to take away from this discussion. Now let's begin to our panelists. For the benefit of the audience, would you like to introduce yourselves?
1: Okay, great. Why don't I start? Uh, I'm Gökhan Euth. Yes, I know, I have a very difficult name. <laughs> Uh, I'm Turkish and I've am i been here in Malaysia for the last three years, close to three years now. Came back mm-hmm. in 2018. I'm the CEO of Maxis since May 2019. And uh, although I'm Turkish, I've been around quite a lot. I lived in the States for seven years, two years in Paris, France, and now three years in Malaysia. So I had the opportunity to travel around the world and to see practically all continents, see and live in all continents. And as... Uh, mentioned, I am a strong ally of women empowerment and yeah. gender equality.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Gurkan. um Maybe uh Jalil can go next? Yeah.
2: Sure. Yeah. My name is Jalil uh, Rashid. I'm the Group CEO of Bajaya Corporation. So I've been on the job now for about four, four months. Um, and prior to that, I was uh, with PNB. And, and prior to that, I was in Singapore, uh, Indonesia, KL, UK, and, and the US, mainly with uh, some global investment firms. Um, you know, I'm, uh, I guess I, I'm 39 years old. I always say I'm at a, at a nice age where I have got two young girls, uh, nine and seven, uh, and, and growing through a, a massive generational uh, shift. Uh, raising girls in a technology environment and, and being much more aware of surroundings. Um, you know, and, and I'm very passionate about this this women issue, inclusion. Uh, and, and just and you know my, my ultimate hope is that 10 years, 15 years from now when my girls go on to the workforce, you know, we won't be having to have a discussion like this anymore. Right? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So well, I'm looking yeah. forward to today's conversation. Yeah.
0: Thank you. And we look forward to speaking with you about it. And lastly, Duran Chung. Introduce yourself. Hi everyone.
3: Uh, good morning. I'm, I'm yeah. uh, Ren Xiong. Um I work with Women's Aid Organization, WAO. Yeah. Uh, currently, I'm the Deputy Executive Director. So um, some of you may know WAO. We're an NGO that provides services for domestic violence survivors. Um, but we also um, champion gender equality more broadly. And in the past few years, we've done more and more uh, looking, uh, looking at women at work. Uh, gender at work, so issues of discrimination, issues of sexual harassment, uh, and diversity and inclusion in, in general. Uh, it's it's um, um, always great to be here with Lean In, um, and, and as I said at the last time, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's always an honor to to be associated with, with this association. So thanks so much for inviting myself as well as uh, WAO.
0: Thank you so much for being here. We're really glad that you're here.
4: Um, I think Alia would like to lead the discussion next. Thank you. Okay. Thank you so much for that introduction Nazilia and thanks so much to our excellent male panelists. So I think one of the great things that um, sort of binds and uh, is the commonality between you guys, I think like Jalil mentioned is you are all uh, raising daughters. So Ooh. I would be really interested to understand um, how has raising daughters actually had an impact on how you advocate as male allies in the workplace?
3: Uh, well, I think, you know, for myself working in W.O., it's uh, you know, I have a, 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 a sort of a diff- unique perspective, maybe not unique, but different perspective, uh, uh, you know, I, I, as, as in conceptually, I kind of knew you know, what everything was about, you know, I knew that, oh, you know, uh, uh, more than half of women in Malaysia face some form of discrimination workplace, yeah. or, you know, even though in households where men and women work in Malaysia, uh, women play uh, take a disproportionately higher uh, responsibility at, ho- at home as well, you know, studies have shown also, I knew this conceptually, I think becoming a dad um, really made it all come to life to me. Just the sheer amount of, of mental um, uh, thought that re- is required, uh, the time required, you know, um, it, it really brought it all to life to me. I think the, the area where it really you know impacted me the most mm. is on um, paternity leave. And, and so I work with WAO and so we were fortunate to get um, I was fortunate, very fortunate to get three months paternity leave. And this is uh, kind of, sort of out of the norm for, for, for uh, okay. in, in Malaysia. Um, but I was fortunate to, to do that. And, and it really, I really enjoyed that period. And especially the first you know, one month. Um, yeah. I could really couldn't imagine myself uh, 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 not having that. And 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 you know, in Malaysia, we we currently do not have laws on paternity leave, actually. There's no legal requirement. So, so if your company is good, they may give you seven days. They may give you 14 days, one month, you know, but if not, then you may not even have the opportunity to take annual leave, you know, you may not even have that one or two days. So, 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 yeah. so that really brought the issue of paternity leave to me, alive to me and really made me a stronger advocate in our work to, to, to bring about, you know, at least some minimum standard paternity leave in Malaysia.
0: Thank you, thank you for that insight. And I, I, I clearly feel that it's important to have paternity leave. It's like the beginning of like, you know, having to be with your newborn and wanting to see them nurture and grow, like, you and know, course, that period is really important. Um, thank you for the answer, Jiren Chang. Um, Jalil, you have anything to add to that? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a, I think it's, um, uh, you know, having, 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 daughter, uh, you know, it's, talking about it, it's, uh, it's a lot more different than having daughters whom you're raising, right, uh, you know, and, and they, they asked me a lot of questions about why I go to work, you know, and then and just before this session, it was looking at all, all this uh, deck kind of about, about this and asking why you're doing all this. So, um, you know, I think, I think it's, it's great that I'm, I'm able to kind of impart that knowledge to them at, a, at an early age uh, because I always feel that everything that we're discussing today starts from home um, and then it has to be reinforced in school And then they're armed with the right sort of information when they go out to the workforce. Um, Because I think if we are just trying to cultivate this, when people go to the workforce, I think it's a losing battle. Um, You know, we we need to kind of cultivate it there. Um, So, yeah, in a way, um, has there been a bit more of an awareness raising daughters and and having this issue? Yes, it it has been. Uh, Because, you know, purely from a selfish point of view, um, you you want... uh, I want my girls to go uh, into a better working environment, into a better adult environment uh, when, when they enter the workforce 10, 15 years from now.
1: Yes, if I, yeah. may, if I may, similar thoughts here. I also have two daughters who are 27 and 19. They are not kids anymore. But <laughs> it starts with this whole idea that what I'm trying to do is try to act and behave and treat women the way I want my daughters to be treated. I think that's a big driver. And also proven in empirical studies, the CEOs with daughters have a higher tendency to care about gender equality as well as CSR. Uh, There has been studies back in 2015-16 in US, for example, University of Miami in Australia. It's scientifically proven. uh, People... With daughters have a higher tendency to be advocate gender equality. I'm not only the lucky father of two daughters uh, my mom is a working mom uh, uh, I have yeah. one sister uh, no brothers and as well as my wife has been an entrepreneur and quite a strong advocate of women's equality in Turkey so I'm all surrounded I mean I don't have any other chance to be like this. You're the
4: the rose amongst the thorn or is it the other way around right (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: brilliant thank you so much for that and yeah agree that um that based on all your perspectives there is definitely more awareness that um having like daughters would give a little bit more perspective that um you will raise strong daughters and yeah bring it to the workforce okay on to the next question why do you think it is important for men to also see other men talk about women's issues, such as gender equality, in a productive and meaningful way? Anyone can go for it.
4: <laughs> Maybe Gokin, do you wanna take that first?
1: Yeah. Uh, why don't I do that? Um, we started yeah. at why we are advocates uh, and definitely our daughters and uh, women in our families are a big driver for us to be this way Uh, but it doesn't stop there i see two other great reasons why men should also be all men should be if not for their daughters or wives or mothers the second strong reason is we need to do it for our companies and countries again many many studies show that the results of a company the wealth of a nation is a lot better if you can achieve that gender equality, if you can come close to that gender equality, it has been proven over and over. That's a great compelling reason why men should also be allies. Uh, They need to do it, if not for their daughters, they need to do it for their work and for their country. If still not convinced, I'll give men the third reason why they should be. They need to do it for themselves. Why carry all this burden on our shoulders? Why carry this burden of running companies or running... Governments and trying to tackle all the issues in the world alone by ourselves, while we can really share the load with the women that are around us. So I yeah. see these three compelling <laughs> reasons we need to do it. Men, yeah. be allies in this uh, campaign.
4: Thank you. Thank you. That was a really great <laughs> as well. Yeah. Um, Jalil and Rencheng, do you have anything to add?
1: Yeah, just just to add
2: to looking point, and I think you know. It, it, Especially if you're talking from a Malaysian context, there are a lot of male uh, CEOs uh, at, of, of a lot of the large companies. So I think if they were to come out and talk about this, it does reinforce the message, right? You know, in, in, uh, and and you, need, you need people who are influential to come and talk about this. In a way, sometimes it does need to start from the top. Uh, whether if, if it's from the company, it needs to come from the board, the CEOs, all the way down. You know, as uh, and and it's important for more and more influential male to come out and set that tone. Otherwise, uh, you know, uh, it it's uh, it 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 will just probably be a few of us talking about this within the context of our companies. So the more influential men coming out and talking about this and living uh, by it and showing an example, it does have a huge impact.
0: That's true.
2: Thanks. I think, I think these are really um, uh, terrific points. I mean, there's, you know, the benefit point
3: which uh, Gokhan was, was saying, and then there's the effectiveness effectiveness point that Jala was saying. And, and, you know, I think overarching, there's really a moral reason, right? I mean, the idea is in every single country in this world, in almost all spheres of life, uh, women are faring worse off than men. That means men have a leg up. And this leg up is, is something that we're born with. It is, it is not something that, you know, we earned through effort or merit necessarily. So in the interest of fairness, uh, men do have an obligation because we benefit from this to, to equalize uh, a situation. And, some, and sometimes it's gonna benefit us. Sometimes it's, it may not. So, but from a fairness point of view, we do have that obligation to, um, Speak
0: about it. Oh, all came on screen. <laughs> that, so yeah, funny.
4: right. I think that's great. I think, like, exa- uh, exactly as I think Gokhan and Jalil have mentioned, like, there are very tangible benefits to actually increasing the representation of women across all pillars and spheres of life. And I think maybe that brings me on to a question for, for Jalil. I mean, since your recent appointment as CEO to Vijaya, I mean, you've mentioned it's only been mm. four months, but you've yeah. already made an impact, and that we've seen that the Vijaya Court Board has now increased its ratio of women yeah. to fifty-seven
0: mm-hmm. so
4: percent. I really just wanted to—I think it would be really great for us to to hear about why did you feel it was important to actually make that change now?
2: Yeah, I think it goes back to the earlier point earlier about about how important it is to do, and I felt that this we we needed to not just make a statement uh but you know when we went around looking for, for a, a new or new board members i i uh, you know the, the nomination committee as well wanted much more diversity not just it, uh, from a gender perspective but also from an experience perspective and we had all these um, incredible uh, females lined up but i think it was also important that from a s- statement that we were we were addressing this right at the top uh, from at, at the board level uh, our senior management has a lot of females uh, the 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 group has about you know, almost half uh, female uh, but it was important to address that right at the top uh, and to make a to make a stand that yes this is important when we announce that we also announced that there's going to be a diversity and inclusion policy that would be uh, around that as well uh, I have asked um, as well that uh, we we try to um, understand maybe what are some of the challenges which uh, lead to women fo- falling out of that chain uh, du- during their careers, and how do we better address that? Uh, how do we even remove some of the biasness when it comes to hiring and everything? You know, there's not going to be a foolproof uh, mechanism towards that, uh, but I'm very keen to address that. Uh, you know, and and um, I. I you know, we've enjoyed the conversation with, with all the new board members, they come with a very different perspective, especially during the pandemic, you know, a lot more questions have been asked about what are we doing as an employer from an empathy perspective, uh, you know, with, with people with with um, kids at home and doing all that sort of thing. So conversation is changing, you know, the perspective changes. Uh, And I think it's important. Uh, You know, I, I think the question about whether, uh, you know, they, they add value, should we be doing this? That's, No brainer that absolutely Uh, question is how do we get more companies to kind of treat this uh, as a normal thing rather than an exceptional thing
4: yeah Mm. Mm. that's great thank you so much for that jello and i think like uh, like you said it's great that it was a one and no brainer view that this is something that should have been addressed anyway, not only just for the perspective of actually furthering that gender equality and that representation of women, but you realize and recognize the tangible benefits that actually come with making those and changes and implementing them too. Yeah,
0: that's true. Um, thank you so much for that um, for that um, response, Jello. So um, perhaps we could move on to the next general question. Anyone can take this as well. Um, Acknowledging that we still have a long way to go towards bridging the gender gap, what are the things that you do or have done that you hope will prepare your daughters to be successful in this climate of inequality?
1: Why don't I start with this? Um, (laughs) On three levels, I try to do uh, my share of this uh, challenge and fight. On a personal level, uh, I'm quite aware uh, all the time uh, especially around the biases that surround yeah. us. And personally, I try to not to fall into those traps. And yeah. it has been quite a, a challenge, but at the same time, qu- quite a rewarding experience personally. On the company level, since I had the privilege of running companies around the world, including here in Malaysia, and having an impact on so many number of people, to Jalil's point, uh, it has also been my responsibility as a leader of a big organization to really do the things that yeah. help women empowerment uh, in the society in the community that i live uh, it starts with the company itself i have been always and still doing the same here in maxis trying to increase the women participation into our economic activities uh, as well as women, women participation in all levels uh, this has been one of the contributions that i have and it's not easy you need to yeah. Not just uh, start monitoring and uh, trying to increase that way, you really need to go beyond talking and taking actions, actions like what Ranchoon was saying, from maternity to paternity to child care, care and etc. Yeah. And on the third level, uh, I am also trying to go beyond the companies that I work for, uh, I'm actively involved in a lot of NGOs. Uh, Starting with an NGO that uh, back in 2018, I'm one of the founding members in Turkey, which is uh, I Stand By You. It's an organization, it's an NGO that's uh, made up of male uh, membership only that are promoting women empowerment in Turkey and actively working to do that uh, still.
0: Okay. Is it only Turkish members or can anyone join in? <laughs>
1: Currently in Turkey, uh, but we're working on many other ideas here in uh, Nexus and in Malaysia, uh, which I can talk later. That you will have the opportunity to join.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, Yurancha, Jella, anything to add to that question?
3: Yeah, I I think, um, you know, I mean, at at home, uh, so I have one daughter, she's two and a half. Um, So at this point, I mean, I guess it's mostly about doing stuff, doing work, uh, doing the work um, but yep. also you know one thing I, I, I want to remind myself and, and to be sort of aware of is, is to uh, you know the point of, of, of respect and, and, and you know, even kids you know I feel um, it, it, they, we need to treat kids with, with respect and, and yep. you know teach them things like consent um, and boundaries. So I think that is something that I, I, I am committed and, and want to do with, with you know with my daughter. Um, and, and and yeah, to, to the larger point, on what are we doing? I mean, uh, what what uh, what kind of country do we want to 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 have for for our daughters, uh, and, and our, you know for everyone generally? Um, Wao, one of the things that we, we we do is work in public policy and and public uh, engagement. So if we have good public policies it's not the only solution for sure, but it sets a framework, a framework where Mm. we can have a more equal and fair thing field for everyone. So some things that we're working on is for instance, uh, a sexual harassment bill. So we know that uh, uh, a YouGov study in 2019 showed that um, about a third, over a third of women have faced Mm. sexual harassment. You know, and, and where does this happen? This happens in public spaces, public transport, companies, educational institutions, um, home mm-hmm. even. So, so currently our framework sh- falls short. We have employment laws on sexual harassment and so on, but what about universities? What about colleges? What about malls? What about public transport? There's no standard actually yeah. for sexual harassment. So, so that's just one example where you know, we need to change Policies. We need to improve frameworks so that you know our doctors and and any person in this country has has a has a better chance.
0: That's true. That's true. Yeah, we've been having that conversation on sexual harassment um for a long time within lean in the the lean in space itself, and um we're glad that um, we started talking about that as mm. well. And it's it's really sad to hear the the stories of the victims and how they experience it. And like you said, one third of women experience it in public spaces and. We're either brave enough to fend it off, or we just have to keep silent about it, and it's it's that's why we're here, and it's important that we have male male allies such as you um, and everyone else to to help advocate this cause. Um, thank you for your answer. Um, maybe Jaleel, do you have something to say about that? Yeah. How would
2: you I, Yeah, <laughs> I think for for me is from, from two perspectives, right? You know, as a as a father, what I've been trying to do together my Wife is that do not have attached stereotypes on them, right? Or this is a this is a female job, or a female should be like this and that. And I think it's very easy to get that. Um, even even um, from a from a very innocent way is you know the the kind of colors you attach or the kind of shows that they watch or you know the kind of sports that they should be uh, doing and everything and all that stereotype kind of attaches. So we've been we, we've we've tried very very hard from that. Uh, in the house to kind of uh,
1: neutralize
2: and equalize that. I you, know, so you can do anything you want. Don't don't worry. You know you don't have to worry about. them just giving them that confidence. Uh, and that's 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 what we do at home. And I guess at work as as a leader is to create uh, an environment uh, that 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 allows them to be to be who they are uh, without any sort of. Uh, uh, taboo or or any any roadblocks, and then that's the best that's the best uh, we can do. Um, and uh, so for for me is those two things. Uh, but but I'm I'm a huge believer that you know it, it all starts from home. You know, it's how we behave, how we interact, and everything. You know, and and uh, they, they just mirror everything of us, uh, especially at the age of my my girls. Um, so it's it's important to be that 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 um, that, that good influence on them.
0: Mm.
4: Yeah, that's great. That's- Thank you. I, I think it's, um, like you say, it's actually almost sort of normalizing the concept that there isn't something that is meant to be for men, for women. It's actually saying that it, this is equal. It's um, open for your opportunity and it's open for you to, to do as you feel. Right? Um, there is something I wanted to touch upon, which I think we're, both Jalil and Goken have sort of mentioned about how within your organizations, you're trying to do more to increase representation of women and I mean a lot of people see this of course as kind of affirmative action that it, it does come with some opposition and there are components of affirmative action who would say that this sort of um, movement and initiatives can actually result in essentially reverse discrimination and even means that we're opening the door or letting lower quality candidates make the cut. So from your perspectives do you feel that there is any truth in this and what can organizations do to counter this perception and counter this approach or this uh, concern that people have
1: thank you it's a good question and i'm quite passionate about it too i mean yes i hear sometimes uh, people say that uh, wouldn't this lead to discrimination two things one it's a lame excuse not to do the right thing. Two, it's almost an insult. <laughs> an insult. Because the fact is there. Uh, there is no equal representation, correct? Okay. It's not 50 50. What does it mean? Uh, mm. If you accept the fact that men and women are equal, if there is meritocracy, if the decisions are made by performance and all the uh, logical criteria, then it should have been 50 50 to start with, there is no meritocracy. The barriers that we have, the the biases that we have is preventing meritocracy, and that's why we are here where we are today. So all these actions are actually an effort to get to that meritocracy. And it starts with really uh, taking care of those biases uh, so that when it comes to the decision, the last decision where you say, okay, it's this person versus this person in this promotion or in this hiring, then there is meritocracy. It starts with making sure that equal number of CVs 50-50 goes up to the final decision maker, as simple as that. Uh, So I don't agree with that. Uh, I think it's an insult Mm -hmm. to all women. um, And -hmm. there is no meritocracy. If there had been, it would have been at 50-50 anyways.
4: Exactly, like you say, it's acknowledging that the bias exists, right? Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Jalil, did you have anything to add?
2: Yeah. So I think I think it's just it's just the way. Uh, I think we need to look at the way um, we bring in candidates, whether it's into the board, into uh, into roles, uh, and you know the way we filter to what can point said. You know, we can. We can make sure equal number goes in and everything. So I I I I don't I have never seen and in uh, you know since I've been more involved in this over the last uh, uh, ten to twelve years I've never seen uh, lesser quality candidates come through simply because there was this thing uh, there was a, a quota of sorts, um and then I guess leaderships as well will be well aware that they need to pick the right person. Um, and uh, and if if there is a mechanism for the right people to to be uh, to be identified, uh, it's it's not a problem. Um, you know, there, there's uh, this over the last few years, as I said, on so many so many boards, and as we think about new board members coming in, there has been an instinctive uh, reaction that every time we need to go, they were like, um, I think we need more females, uh, and it's, they're not just saying it because of a quota thing, but they're saying it. I think. It's the right thing to do. So over the years, that thinking has changed. You know, it's not just like, oh, we need to get another female. Like, we must get a female because it's the right thing. Um, so it's changing. So I don't think uh, you know, it, it may have 10, 15 years started as a quota, but today I think everyone acknowledges it. I think the key question is uh, how do we ensure that there is a right process uh, that ensures that all of them are getting um, are getting a fair, fair airtime. Uh, in terms of uh, showcasing their merits.
0: Mm. That's good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jello. Thank you so much. Um, Rencheng, would you like to add anything to that? If you... yeah, I
3: mean, I think they've said it all, Ogokun and Jala said it all uh, exactly, you know, and maybe one thing to, to sort of one way to reframe the issue of quotas is not to think of them as, as targets, uh, but rather indicators. So if you're not meeting the indicator, that means you're not doing something quite right.
0: Okay. okay, That is true. That is true. I do agree. Thank you all for all your responses. Um, I would like to ask Chung this specific question, though, on top of your response on that. Um, With the rise of cancel culture and the Me Too movement, men um, often feel fearful to engage with women for fear of being condemned or called out. What are your thoughts on
3: that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've heard the term used before. It's not really cancel culture. It's, it's accountability culture. I can't remember who said that. Um, but but I think that resonated with me. You know, it's, it's, it's not about everyone is wrong. It's about if you do something wrong, you are no longer going to be immune. Someone's going to hold you accountable. And, and, and a lot of the, um, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of discussion and 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 anxiety around. Oh, you know, the whole world's gonna know. It's gonna blow up. And and you know, I just did this one thing. But but the, you know, I think we have to understand that the system is not there to respond to these things. And and you know, when we don't have a system, we don't have proper policies in in an organization level or at a country level.
0: Mm.
3: Th- there's no choice. People have no choice but to use whatever means they can and they, not that they want to, to to get safety, to get justice, and and other other kinds of redress. Uh, So, so I think people need to understand the context of why this is happening. Mm. It's really a boiling point. There's limited avenues and there's no choice. So, in terms of what men can can do and, and, and can engage, I think at some level, men know whether they're doing something right or wrong. You know, I think deep down, whether they admit it to themselves, you kind of know, like, okay, I'm doing something inappropriate or, or not, it, it, you know, at the surface, you may be like, oh, it, it, is it, is it not? But, but you know, if you think about it, and, if, like, honestly, I think that, that you know, you should know. So, I, that would be the first thing I would say, like, you know, just just be honest with yourself, you know, and be be, be open to saying, hey, I was wrong. You know, I I've, so I, I tell an example myself, and you know, I went to um, all-boys schools, you know, uh, yeah. and so... You know, I can think of all the stupid things I said. You know, all the you know, dumb things that we all say. You know, but the, the yeah. point is that doesn't mean you cannot become a better person. Yeah. Right? And even if it's like in you know, with my old friends in my WhatsApp group, our you know, uh, uh, WhatsApp group. You no, know, it's just a matter of saying, hey, you know, let, you know, why don't if someone says a sexist joke or something, and just just say, hey, you know, this is something we shouldn't. And most people, most of the time, people will agree. They just they just want to be funny you know they don't don't really mean it so so it's it's about just just being honest with yourself I think is the first is the first um point I would I would say and then the second point is um you know it's really about just being respectful and it's, so it's not like you cannot do certain things it's not like you can never ask somebody out or can never give someone a compliment it's not about that it's it's just doing so in a way that is respectful and 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 keeps in mind consent and boundaries. You can always ask someone if you're not comfortable with it then you just don't do it again
0: yeah yeah consent is really important isn't it I, I i do agree i mean all of us here we do agree that um and it's really sad how like sometimes um when you make those kind of like directory remarks like it, you still want it to come off as like a joke you know and like it yeah. I, I think it's going on as well like people make all these flipping remarks about um you know women's bodies or 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 like raping or something and then they just say it's just a joke don't take it too seriously right. and I think most of the women here have experienced that and and we we often don't know if it actually is or you know like because that w- it was backfired so they just leave it at that like yeah don't don't take it too seriously which is saying this off and you're right like, education is really important and respect and boundaries is definitely really important for us to continue that conversation and which is why we have like people like you here today and Jaleel and Gokun thank you so much for that response.
4: Um, Thank you so much for that term, accountability culture. I think that's um, really, I think that's actually such an excellent term, something we should probably all think about. I know I'm definitely going to start adopting that myself, (laughs) term accountability culture, because that's really, it's really just it, isn't it? It's actually letting people or getting people to think about the consequences of your actions, your words, and owning them and owning the consequences that come with them if you've done something wrong. So I think, thank you, Regu. that's a, a brilliant phase. We should all use that. Um, maybe I'll, I'll just turn to, to Goka now, and I'd like to actually, I think actually Jello mentioned something about how, you know, he's, you know, he's raising his daughters now in this digital age, and there's so much more um, digital and technological advancement that we're all grappling with, of course. And with Maxis being a telco, a lot of our progress is really powered by technology, engineering, and sort of digitalization. So as an organization in this space, what is Maxis doing to help improve the representation of women in technology and STEM fields?
1: Sure. Um, again, two levels. Uh, it starts internal and external. Um, on the internal part, with the objective of reaching gender equality at Maxis, uh, there is talk and action, uh, which, Alia, you are also part of it. A uh, lot of awareness, starting with me uh, and among the not only female employees, but also among the male employees. A lot of awareness-building activities, including the appointment of our latest uh, diversity and inclusion manager. Uh, there is a lot of talk and awareness-building but it cannot stay at the talk level only. So what we're trying to do is starting with measurement, trying to increase the uh, female participation at all levels. And there has been progress, which I'm happy to see. Uh, For example, last 2019 uh, female percentage was around 43%. Now it's 45% at the end of 2020 not only at the company level, but at the managerial level uh, from 34 to 38% of all our managers are female. And the objective is to get to that 50% uh, equality uh, as vision. Uh, senior leadership team, as well as uh, my management team, my direct reports. Uh, when I started, I had zero female representation in my direct reports now it's 33%, one third of them are uh, females. So there's wow. a lot of action and uh, the action cannot just stay at the uh, defining targets and working towards that uh, because you've you got to have the pipeline also, starting with even universities, starting with high schools, that female pipeline of potential employees needs to come. So we have As part of our Maxis scholarship program, we instituted a a women in tech uh, special program to really award, reward uh, STEM students and to help them with their education. There is a lot of progress around this too. And another one is role modeling. Um, Our latest addition to my management team is our chief information officer, who is also female, and she's really not only a role model within the Uh, organization itself, but also she's a great role model that she takes time and energy to go to uh, universities to promote uh, STEM education for women. This is internally how we're trying to make it happen. On the external side, uh, being a big corporation, having the resources, and especially the ability to reach millions, and in our case, I mean, it's literally millions, a big part of uh, the whole Malaysian population. We're trying to do our part to improve the women empowerment and women participation to economy in the country. Our latest program is E-Class Usahawan Wanita, uh, which we take uh, women entrepreneurs, yeah. uh, take them through a digital marketing and online sales, digital uh, business courses, as well as our volunteers from the company help them their hands in improving their business all the way up to uh, selecting the best and really helping them with the uh, resources that they need in order to make their businesses even bigger. We started with 200 women that are going through this program a couple months ago and our objective is really to spread it around the country so that we can really help women to set up build successful enterprises.
4: Thank you so much, Gokhan. I think that's, I mean, like I said, I have experiences, but I think it's really important to see that it's not only just within the organization, yeah. but it's within the community as well. And actually, like you say, I think that pipeline is really important. If we don't address the pipeline of making sure that we have enough um, students at university actually adopting and taking up STEM, STEM courses, and we don't actually make this a attractive proposition to women as well, you're never going to actually see that trickling and moving up the funnel as well. So thank you for that. Um, I think we, we will, I see that we've got some loads of questions actually coming into the chat, which is brilliant. So yep. what we'll probably do now is we'll start taking some questions from the audience. Um, maybe Azalea, do you wanna pick one first and then we'll, we'll kind of take that. Um, actually, I see one here that's quite interesting from Raihana um, to the panelists, as male leaders, what do you do yep. to encourage more female staff with merit to take up the mantle? And have more women in mid to senior management teams. So, how do we actually encourage our internal and un- staff internally? challenge do you want to take that? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah I'll, I'll take that. Um, you know, I think uh, one the easy thing would be the, the, the hiring policies, right? To kind of be able to identify. I always say that uh, it's never going to be ideal because you're never going to have this perfect. Uh, a uh, system that can be able to talent spot people. Uh, but you know, I've actually, over the years, have spent uh, a lot of time trying to encourage uh, personally, trying to get more females to kind of put their hand up for roles. Uh, you know, and and there, were, there were two incidences in, in, my, in my past roles where uh, it was actually, we, we knew there was a particular female who was actually very good for that role, but she didn't want to put her hand up for it because she felt that, you know, for, for whatever reason, she wasn't prepared, you know, she was nervous and everything. And it was actually three male managers who actually spoke to her and kind of encouraged her to, to take it on. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that, that that was simply because, you know, we didn't look at it as a male-female thing. You know, it was just she was the best for that job. And we just knew that she did needed a bit more of an encouragement uh, to, to get there. Um, so, you know, I, I think, uh, I think, uh, for me, the only way to do this is to develop a culture across the firm and not just at individuals. it shouldn't just be at my level saying that, yes, I want more females, right? uh, but indirectly I'm accountable for 17,000 employees. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't go and address that individually. Uh, but we need to be able to create a, a culture where everybody instinctively is able to kind of, uh, You know, encourage each other based on merit, whether it's female or male, Uh, and 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 that's that's the best way we can uh, we can do it. Uh, And and sometimes I think also that is uh, from experience, there's also uh, a bit of reservation on the part of the of of the female, simply because maybe um, of of the of the taboo environment or whatever that you know when they take on bigger roles, you know, um, they may have to travel a lot more. How how would that be and everything? And, And that's where. I think leadership uh, people in my role come in very important to be able to kind of say, hey, you can actually do it, you know, we'll find a work around it. Uh, you know, and, and for, for me that 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 will be the ideal level, being able to kind of talent spot these people and then being able to address them by maybe switching some things around so that they can do their job properly.
4: Yeah. So actually I, I think I really agree with that, that it really starts from that cultural shift and trying to make sure that you create a very open and flexible environment and kind of upfront say, come to us with your problems. I think that's that's excellent. It's wonderful to hear that this is something that you guys are trying to do as well. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Thank you for that, Joel. Um, there's another question here that I found really interesting by here. So he's asking, once women have entered the workplace or senior management or C-suite, how should or can women cope? with the boys club? Um yeah, that I, I find that question really interesting. Um any thoughts on that, gentlemen?
1: How to cope with the boys club?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think someone mentioned that earlier as well. Like it it, it, de- it definitely is hard to to attain that 50-50 to to begin with. So like how do you once you're in that position, how do you how do you address that situation? Like how do you be part of that? Because it still is very like strongly a boys' association. I, like, I feel. How, yeah. What What are the strategies that you could potentially do, or like you know, like strategies that you could potentially look at in order to make yourself more involved, or or, or make them more involved with your situation? Good
1: thoughts there. Uh, maybe, maybe I can.
3: I mean, I think. Yeah, the the.
1: Yeah. Go ahead, Ren. Sure. Okay,
3: um, you know, I just maybe just from personal experience, just I I am sort of in a in a in a inverse converse situation where you know most of my colleagues are women, uh, and there definitely is no equivalent women's club. Uh, you know, um, without exception, I think everyone's been pretty very inclusive and and welcoming. Uh, in terms of boys' club, I think the the right you know it's it's very difficult to say how should women you know, go and join boys club. I think that what we need to be focusing on is, is how do we dismantle boys clubs, you know, mm. and and, and mm. all the things that, that Jalil and, and Gokan has been talking about, these are these are steps towards making workplaces more inclusive and 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 and, and, and more diverse. And that is how you know what's gonna really break down uh, barriers between genders and, and 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 oftentimes the boys club is like okay you know all the managers are um, and all the, you know, so once we start breaking that down, as, you know, Jalan Koken have, uh, have been doing and, and been talking about, that is how we're going to, to, to ensure that the workplace is more inclusive in general for women. Uh, on the policy side, on the public policy side, you know, one thing that we, we are working on at WAO is looking at discrimination. We know from 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 studies you know, in Malaysia and and, and you know, discrimination against women is is, is is huge. We did a survey with uh, working age women uh, yeah. population, and and we found that more than half have described incidences where they have faced workplace discrimination. Yeah. Uh, and, and the policy response is there is no current law against discrimination in the workplace for the private sector in Malaysia. So if someone wants to hire you on the basis that doesn't doesn't want to hire you on the basis of uh, 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 of you may become pregnant or you're a young mother or you're a, a, a young wife and, and, and or you, want, you don't want to wear, or you want to wear certain, you know, to-do or, or whatever. There's no law actually that, that, that explicitly prohibits that. Uh, so, so that's one area that we, that we can do that we can improve in, in terms of public policy to ensure that there's a, there's a fairer um, uh, playing field for everyone and that would then make the workplace more inclusive.
1: Um, Two thoughts that I would like to share. One of them is, uh, please do not try to be part of that boys club to start with. You don't have to, and you shouldn't, because your differences, your diversity is really what you bring to that table, which currently is the boys club. So really, I urge all women to really resist the urge or the pressure uh, resist the pressure to join that club. You don't have to. You shouldn't. Uh, bring what's good in you, what differentiates you from that voice club to the table. Second, yes, Ranchung, I agree. It needs to dismantle, and all our efforts will dismantle it uh, one day. But till we go there, I also would like to urge all women to speak up, to help us dismantle that. It starts with language, for example. The best thing that we can do, just call it out. This is not right we need to change this and look for allies i mean we are not alone i'm not alone in maxis there are many male allies in maxis that you guys women can reach out and take yeah. as allies and fight against this boys club uh, yeah. together so those yeah. are the two thoughts that i have yeah.
4: Yeah. Okay. I think it's very true. I think I, I like the point about finding allies and I think this is, I mean, yes, a slightly different topic, but I think it's really important for women, um, especially women who find themselves in organizations where maybe there are a lot of um, men at the higher levels and less women at the top to also think about finding people to in your organization to be your advocate, you know, find yes. get them to actually help open the, do- the doors for you help them to make sure that you are in the conversation that you are in the room. Um, yep. So I think that's very, very that's that's
2: brilliant. Yeah.
0: Thank you so yeah. much for that. Thank you. So, um, sorry, Ali. I just also wanted to add to that to what um, Goku was saying. It's just so refreshing that that we have we have this perspective today, and like someone as amazing as as Gokin, um Jalil, and also and to 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 be an advocate for us. Because um, I think uh, there was a friend of mine who experienced um, like um, a problem with with being hired because her milk like. The, the team that she was going into it was predominantly male and like to prevent that women, you know, wanting to speak up for themselves or just to have to address that situation to begin with, he, the hiring manager chose the male over the female, even though both were equally as qualified. And, you know, that was what, uh, it, it, it can be a double edged sword like the situation. And, you know, it's, it's just really sad that that happened to her, but then we're so glad that we're having this conversation now because we know that, that we have meal advocates out there who who can you know step up for us and like who we can go to as well to to share this this conversation with and the struggle that we're we're internally facing with with the um, hiring process and stuff like that. But thank you so much for all your responses, very insightful.
4: I'm just going to pick up one final question from the audience as I'm the time yeah. got away from us as usual. Yeah. But obviously <laughs> to uh, yeah. This is actually I'm going to summarise this question I think from Zizi Mei Li um, about mm-hmm. how we take up um, the man, or how men can take up the mantle at home as well and share these responsibilities at home. Uh, sometimes you find that even when the male partner is actually more willing to make the effort. Um, sometimes the, the woman has some internalized biases and sort of concerns that she doesn't want to actually share those responsibilities. So how do we, how do you, have you actually had that experience yourselves in your, um, in your home and how did you kind of um, overcome the, the kind of concerns that your partner had about sharing responsibilities and being able to kind of take on some load yourself as well? Yeah. Um, open to anyone. I see a lot of like. <laughs> <and smile>. so, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm going to ever. you may have uh, experienced a little bit of resistance in the past.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll go first. I mean, personally, I don't felt uh, felt that. You know, I think my wife has been has been uh, almost dictatorial, dictator like in 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 giving uh, roles out. Uh, but you know, I I also I guess came up from. Uh, uh, from a family where my mom asked all of us to do jobs uh, chores at home uh, so for me it was quite it was quite normal uh, you know but you know speaking to some of my colleagues and peers uh, they do find that you know I guess more so during this pandemic that they have uh, they have had to kind of juggle that uh, and and kind of not not just do that as oh, I have got a bit of time to do chores but you know it's now kind of a bit more structured because they're working from home for the last year and a half or so for me it was it's, it's quite normal um, but you know I think the, the biggest change for me has been trying to do uh, uh, you know online learning which I which which I've not really been uh, able to do and I think that's where perhaps uh, my wife would come in and say you're useless at it. Let me, let, let me take over. So, uh, you know, so I, I, I think for, for me, it's it's, uh, it's a bit like that. But, you know, I think this also leads back to, I guess, the, the bigger question, right? You know, and I think this is a question I get all the time about what's going to happen uh, after this pandemic, right? You know, uh, is life going to go back normal? And I say, no, it's not, right? It's not. I think that we, we all have to get used to this. The so the biggest question I got. Um, when, when the first lockdown started was that, how do we, how, how do we do that separation between work and home? And I said, unfortunately, yeah. I can't give you an answer for that, right? It really, it really depends on how you want to separate it. Um, so it is, uh, it, it is, it is a, it is a tough one. Uh, but I think uh, you, um, I, I use uh, an example, in, when I was in Singapore, and we actually um, gave, uh, actually, 30 days paternity to uh, to, to our, our male staff, the take up was actually uh the take up was actually very high with younger uh with younger uh, staff compared to those who are a bit more older. Uh you know, and, and not being ages about this, but you know, I was just looking at that trend, it was quite interesting. The, the ones who were in their twenties and had their first child completely ceased on that, right? But then those who had uh, children later on, uh, they were a bit more resistant to us taking it. I was telling "Why don't you take it? Right? You know, it's, it's it's there. Why don't you take it?" They felt bad about it. So I think a lot of this has to also do with, I guess, uh, cultural and mindset and upbringing and everything, right? Yeah. I, I might have digressed a bit, but you know, but that, that that's, that's just some personal anecdote.
1: Um,
4: yeah, that's great. <laughs>
1: it's, a, it's a very good question made me think I, and remember the past huh? I was thinking first <clears throat> no I haven't been exposed to this but it's wrong um, I've been exposed to this my mother uh, I was home till I was 15 and I don't remember doing any trauma I was the king of the house I didn't put my hand from hot water to cold water whatever you want to call it I didn't do nothing then when I was 18, I went to U.S. I lived with an American family in the uh-huh. West Chicago area. Uh-huh. That's where actually I first saw how to share the load. Those were the first, yeah, it's a little bit shame. I was 18 when I first started taking my dishes off the dinner table, uh, doing the, the lawn and shoveling the uh, snow. Those were the first chores that I did in my life.
2: Um, and cool. when I
1: come back to Turkey, I mean, my mom was surprised when I took that first uh,
0: <laughs> Turned table, over a new leave. <laughs> uh,
1: helped her clean the dishes. She yeah. was surprised, very surprised, shocked.
4: You showed all the new things. But I continued. The...
1: <laughs> but I continued. And my wife also helped me do that through uh, her being as busy as myself, uh, both uh. in corporate and then in. Or entrepreneurial businesses. Yeah. Uh, if you see that uh, bias, if you see that barrier as males, like my mom did to me, uh, that resistance to share the load, I would uh, encourage women to read lean in as we are in the lean in. That's where actually it really clearly says how important it is to share that load for women to excel in their careers and to continue to be part of the economy. Uh, I had the privilege of uh, translating Lenin into Turkish back in 2014. uh, And I had the privilege of meeting Cheryl Sandberg personally in Turkey for the launch of her book. Uh, Obviously, I read both the English and the Turkish one. Uh, so that's where you would find the answer, why it's important for men to share and how women can benefit from this sharing. And I'm curious now, is there a BM translation of the book?
4: Actually, I'm not sure, but that is a very good question.
1: Let's yeah. do it, guys. We have an action. I guess
4: that's next on our to-do list, probably.
1: we'll, we'll yeah. take that. In.
4: We'll take that. Off. We'll take <laughs> Are you on that? Okay, yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Oh, yes, obviously, we don't, but leanin.org is actually working on a BM translation, so hmm. it's in progress. Okay, thank
1: you.
4: Um, maybe, Very um, anything final for you that you want to con- um, add to that, Ben before we maybe take the session to a close?
3: Here? Uh, not much to add, just to say that it's definitely hard. Um, and, you know, uh, sometimes in my experience, you know, uh, with me, two and a half year old daughter, she wants to do certain things with certain persons. So you cannot do certain things with her. And it's tough, actually. Um, but what I tell myself to do is that, okay, look, you can't do this, but maybe you can do the dishes and the cooking and whatever. Um, so that's what I try to do. Not always successful at, at, um, all the time. Um, but that may be another if you try and think of like practical things that I try and do that. That's one let's try and um uh a div- division of labor, I guess is one way.
4: Thank you so much. And um yeah, somehow we've already reached time. So I just want to say thank you so much to all our panelists. I mean, we have taken away so much of that. I think. One thing that I, I'm personally going to definitely be implementing is actually using that concept of accountability culture and addressing it in that way. So thank you for that, Ren Chung. And I, we really appreciated so many of your personal stories as well yeah. uh, from all of you. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank, you for, thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us. And once again, thank you so much to Ren Chung, Jalil and Gherkin and have a very great weekend ahead.